0: Imagine in Genesis if God approached his work, as we so often do. In the beginning, it was nine o'clock, so God had to go to work. He filled out a requisition to separate light from darkness. He considered making stars to beautify the night and planets to fill the skies, but thought it sounded like too much work. And besides, God thought, that's not my job. So he decided to knock off early and call it a day. And he looked at what he had done and said, it'll have to do. On the second day, God separated the waters from the dry land. And he made all the dry land flat, plain, and functional, so that, behold, the whole earth looked like Kansas. He thought about making mountains and valleys and glaciers and jungles and forests, but he decided it wasn't worth the effort. And God looked at what he had done that day and said, it'll have to do. And God made a pigeon to fly in the air and a carp to swim in the waters and a cat to creep around dry ground. And God thought about making millions of other species of all sizes and shapes and colors. But he couldn't drum up any enthusiasm for any of the other animals. In fact, he wasn't too crazy about the cat. Then, just when he was ready to punch out, he got a rush order. He needed to come up with something different from all the other things he'd made. (laughs) This is not going to be easy, he said. So he sat down with the rest of the crew and said, I'll make something that's, well, kind of like us. And I'll make two different models. Now it was almost time for the late show. So God looked at all he had done and said, It'll have to do. At the end of the week, God was seriously burnt out. So he breathed a sigh of relief and said, Thank me, it's Friday. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks that you did the amazing job that you did in, in creation. That, Lord, as we look at the, the, the scenery around the world, we look at the, the mountains and the valleys and the rivers, and Lord, we look at all of the animals that you created, and Lord, just the beauty of that, and how you created people different, even though they're all created in your image. Lord, from different parts of the world, we're different in so many ways physically. And so, Father, we thank you that you didn't think it'll have to do, that you did the very best. And, Father, we know that that's what you always do. So, Lord, as we look at your word, which is the very best, Father, help us to see the message that you have for us. And, Lord, let us be blessed By what you give us, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I I really don't think that's how creation came about. I think God takes his creation very seriously. He did at the time of creation, and he still does today. But if he shared our attitude towards work some days, it wouldn't be pretty. They say, don't buy a new vehicle that was made on Monday. Or Friday, because on Monday people are oh, going to go back to work, and Friday they're thinking about what they're going to do all weekend. So, the mindset of many workers, at least in the United States, is I always give 100% at work 11% on Monday, 24% on Tuesday, 40% on Wednesday, Thursday 23%, and Friday 2%, and that equals And for some people, that's no joke. Work is going to be the topic of this message. The Bible has a a ton of scriptures, and I really didn't know how much there was until I started putting this message together. Where do we first hear about having to work? That came after the fall. In Genesis 3, God was letting Adam and Eve in on what their future was going to look like. In verse 16, speaking to Eve, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. You know, I've seen my wife give birth to our four children, and our daughter give birth to one of our grandchildren, and it is Labor. And then in verses 17 to 19, God's speaking to Adam here, and he says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. So what God was telling Adam and Eve is, Hey, the party's over, guys. You blew it. And now it's time for you to get out and get to work. Well, the Bible's full of hard-working people. Farmers and shepherds, tent makers and carpenters or craftsmen of different kinds, seamstresses and fishermen. Okay, You know, all of a sudden, every page, you'll find it talking about what this person did or that person did. Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 8, tells us of a non-human worker. From the message, it says, You lazy fool, look at an ant. Watch it closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has to tell it what to do. All summer, it stores up food. It harvests, it stockpiles provisions. A lot can be learned from ants. Okay, I think i probably shared this before, but I'm going to again. When I was in Vietnam, I had this little one-man bunker. I had a cot, and there was just enough room to stand up beside it. And in there, one day I was watching, and there was ants. They'd come, and they'd drop a piece of dirt, go back in. And so I one came out, and I killed him. Well, then I waited, and I waited, and... No more ants were coming out. Pretty soon one came and just kinda stuck his head out because he knew he was supposed to meet the other ant on his way back. And he didn't, so he knew something was wrong. But they're a hard working bunch. Proverbs fourteen twenty three All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Most of it know most of us know someone who talks of great things, but they produce very little. Many go from job to job accomplishing very little. My brother was one of those people. You know, it seems like he was always applying for another job. He had worked as a machinist in just about every place he could within a 25-mile radius. And he would work for a while and then he just, eh, I'm just not going to show up anymore. Some Don't seem to want to work, but they want the money and they want the stuff that comes with work. Let me relate a story that may be familiar. Once upon a time, there was a little red hen who lived on a farm. She was friends with a lazy dog, a sleepy cat, and a noisy yellow duck. One day, the little red hen found some seeds on the ground. little red hen had an idea. She would plant the seeds. The little red hen asked her friends, "'Who will help me plant the seeds?' "'Not I,' barked the dog. "'Not I,' purred the kitten. "'Not I,' quacked the noisy yellow duck. "'Then I will,' said the little red hen. So the little red hen planted the seeds all by herself. So the story goes on. You know, who will help me cut the wheat? Nobody. Who will help me take the wheat to the mill so it can be ground? Nobody's going to help Who'll help me bake the bread? Same response. Not I. Not I. Well, when the bread was finished, the tired little red right hen asked her friends, "Who will help me eat the bread?" "I will," barked the dog. "I will," purred the cat. "I will," quacked the noisy yellow duck. "No," said the little red right hen. "I will," and the little red right hen ate the bread all by herself. Okay. I think most of us know that lazy dog and that sleepy cat and that noisy yellow duck. You know, I know that I worked with some of them at different times, uh, even inside the church. But maybe you did as well, or hopefully you're not one of those three characters. Another Old Testament example, Ecclesiastes 9, 9 and 10. Solomon says, enjoy your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your, excuse me, all your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working nor planting, nor knowledge or wisdom. Most of us know what toilsome labor is. You know, even if you're maybe somebody that doesn't labor hard in what you're doing now, you know, there's a good chance that you did at some time. But toilsome labor doesn't really have to be physical. Okay, my wife was a retired teacher, and I know she worked very hard. And, you know, people say, well, you know, teachers only work 10 months out of the year, and they get these vacations and all that. And let me tell you, my wife put in her time at school, and she was usually the first one there. And then she would put two, three, sometimes four hours in the evening and half of her weekend, toilsome labor. Wait staff Man, I couldn't do that. Be on my feet for the shift that they work and, you know, and putting up with people is part of the toil. (coughs) Office workers, two of our daughters-in-law, you know, they don't have physical jobs, but they have jobs that certainly are toilsome and they put in a lot of hours. Pilots, you know, I mean, how much... You know how hard going to be to sit there and just fly this plane from point A to point B. Not that hard physically, but it's got to be something that drains you, uh, just emotionally, and just try to make sure you're doing everything right that you can do. Customer service. Wow, those people have to put up a lot. Sometimes they have to put up with me. Okay, and I know that that's really not something that. Uh, we think of as a physical thing but again it's got to be draining doctors or other medical staff you know again it's not that physical sometimes it is when you've got to lift people in or out of bed or chairs or whatever it might be but in general it's not a physical job (coughs) even pastors just um you know what they have to go through You know, I can tell you some stories, but I won't. Solomon said, whatever your hand finds to do. Okay, how did he say to do it? Do it with all your might. Paul echoed this in Colossians 3.23. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. Great advice. Needs to be followed by more people. Even Christians. Let's look at the New Testament. Okay, the Gospels give us several times that Jesus spoke about work, sometimes about physical work, other times about, I guess we'd call it spiritual work. Matthew 9 beginning of verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Okay, we know, or at least we think we know what Jesus is referring to here about Harvesting those that are in need of salvation. And those workers are still few. And the harvest is getting larger all the time. But God has called us all to do this harvesting. Not just pastors, not just evangelists, but everybody. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that's part of the job description. In Matthew 20, we find the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Starting in verse 1, the vineyard owner needed some day laborers to work in the vineyard. So it says he went early in the morning and agreed to pay them a day's wages. About nine o'clock, he went back into town and he hired some more and said, I will pay you whatever is right. Then he went again around noon and another time around three, and he told those people, he said, Same thing, I'll pay you what's right. Well, then he went into town at 5 o'clock and he asked the workers that were there, he says, why have you been standing around here all day long doing nothing? And they said, no one's hired us. So he hired them. Well, quitting time came and time to pay the workers. He wanted the last hired to be paid first. And they got a day's wages. Well, those that were hired first, they thought, wow, he's giving these guys a day's wage, and they've only been working an hour or so. Well, when it got down to them, time to get paid, they didn't get more, and they were not happy. And they complained, Told, but they got what they were told that they were going to get. Well, in Matthew 20, verses 13 to 15, That's what Jesus said. You got what I said I would give you, so just take your money and go. Can I do what I want with my own money? We know Jesus is talking about salvation. Not a vineyard, but the world. Then verse 16 gives us a verse that may be familiar. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. So how do we interpret this? This is how I interpret it. Some people are brought up in the church, make a commitment to the Lord at an early age, and you know they're active in a youth group. And you know when they, if they go to college, they are part of a Christian organization there. And others, you know, they become believers when they're in their teens or maybe early adults. And others make a commitment you know, later in life, when they're in their 40s, 50s, maybe 60s. And then there's some that don't make a commitment until they're really old, and some on their deathbed. But if we know the Lord, seniority has nothing to do with it. Okay? At whatever stage in life, we are to be working, working for the Lord. And it doesn't make any difference when you began your relationship with the Lord. The reward is the same. When we moved from Florida to Oklahoma, we had a moving company move us. We'd never done that before. Wouldn't do it again if we ever move, which hopefully we don't. But our stuff got to Oklahoma a couple days after we did. And we had rented two storage units and so the driver hired three guys to unload his truck into these uh, storage containers. Well, only two guys showed up. Let me tell you, it was the beginning of July and it was hot, hot, hot. And you know, these guys worked all day. I mean, we were helping too, but worked all day. And the driver paid them when he had told them he would pay them. Well, one guy thought that what they should be getting paid was, let's say the driver said, I'll, I'll give you a $100. And they said, okay. But that would have been $300. And so this one guy thought, well, We should just get a share of that $300 that it was going to cost you to have this done. And the driver said, I paid you what I promised. One guy was fine with it. He said, you know, he told me he was going to give me this much money, and that's what he gave me. And I don't expect any more. The other guy was not so happy. And the driver ended up calling the police. But... We need to be able to, to look at that from outside of it to see, you know, maybe I would have thought the same thing as that one guy. You know, hey, it was going to cost him $300. And we did the work with three people, but not the way it worked. In Luke 5, we find Jesus gathering his disciples. He was at the Lake of Gennesaret, and the fishermen were coming in for a day verse 5 of Luke 5, Jesus said to Simon Peter, put out into deeper water and let the nets down for a catch. Simon has maybe had some contact with Jesus before, and he knows, you know, this guy is no fisherman. But in verse 6, Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night, and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Simon would have done, Simon wouldn't have done that for me if I had been there and said, well, why don't you just go back out and try again? No. And we know what happened. They caught enough fish to fill two boats. Fishing at that time was no easy task. You didn't have a sonar fish finder, and the nets were not made out of as strong a material as they are now. At uh, different times, we, we find the fishermen mending their nets. So when Simon said, we worked hard all night, I'm sure that they had Let's skip to John 6. Jesus had just fed the 5,000-plus, walked on water, and Jesus made it to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. People ask in verse twenty-five, I "said Rabbi, when did you get here?" Jesus knows that they're mostly concerned about their stomachs, okay, because a lot of these were people that he had just fed miraculously. Verses twenty-seven to twenty-nine of John six. Jesus says, "Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures." to eternal life which the son of man will give you for on him god the father has placed his seal of approval then he asked then they asked him what must we do to do the works god requires jesus answered the work of god is this to believe in the one he sent me or excuse me believe in the one he has sent That sounds simple, and I've done that. Just believe. Well, the simple sound and reality are not the same because we know that if we're closely following the Lord, it's not easy. Now, remember there were hundreds or thousands that had heard Jesus teach that didn't believe. There were many that saw the miracles that Jesus had done and they didn't believe. There were enough non-believers to crucify Jesus. Maybe that includes you. Maybe you had heard the salvation message many times and didn't believe. But you still have the opportunity to do that. In Ephesians 2, Paul is telling us how to get saved, to be raised up with Christ. And then in the familiar verses 8 to 10, Paul says, For it is by grace that you've been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God has a to-do list, okay? When you get saved, he's got things that he needs you to be doing. Well, what are those works that God has for us? Well, Jesus told us earlier, he said, to be harvesters of, of the ripe fields. He told the disciples that they were going to be fishers of men. And Jesus told us that they needed to believe that he's God's son, we got a lot of work to do. I want to move down to 1 Thessalonians 5. Paul has a good word for us in verses 12 and 13. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in highest regard and love because of their work. Paul was probably speaking about the leaders of the church. Now, I need to speak to these verses as a pastor. Most people are unaware of all that their pastor or pastors do, but if the pastor's not doing what they think he or she should be doing, they'll let people know. Well, maybe not the pastor, but other people. Of course, the pastor's not the only one that works for the flock. Any Volunteers certainly need to be shown appreciation. The, the paid staff, you know, the choir director, the organist, you know, whoever it may be, needs to know that they are appreciated in what they're doing. I have two more verses that I want to look at quickly. No, make that three. Okay, second second Thessalonians 3. In verses 6 through 12, Paul's making it clear that those, and, and those those with him and himself have been paying their own way. In verse 10, there's words that need to be heeded. He says, for even when we are with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Without getting political or getting in trouble with it, that rule should be getting enforced now. Okay, then we'll skip to 2 Timothy 2. Paul is telling Timothy this. He says, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. That wasn't always the case because different times it would be the landowner, it would be the, the king, it would be the Levites but it should go first to the farmer. If you had the privilege of living in a farming country, you know that this doesn't always happen. So you should do, maybe just take a week or so and work you know, at a working ranch or you know, milk yourself some cows, whatever it might be. You'd appreciate that verse a lot more. Well, There's many more times that we read about the works of the Lord. But I want to finish with this one, which is the most important one. In John 19, Jesus had been crucified. In verses 28 to 30, John tells us this, later, knowing that everything had now been finished and that the scriptures would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of a hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Jesus had completed the task that he had been sent here to do. He had accomplished all that he needed to. He had done his work his work isn't over because he's coming back. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for your son Jesus. We give you thanks and praise for your word and the examples that it gives us time and time again of how we should be living our lives as believers. So, Father, if we maybe feel a burden, maybe feel some guilt, Lord, Let us use that to get to work for you and to be doing the things that you need us to do. And Lord, knowing that our works isn't anything that's going to make us more saved, but Lord, it's going to make us closer to you. And Lord, I just lift up anyone that may be listening that doesn't know you, has not made a commitment to you. Lord, today would be the day that they would know that they need to make that commitment. They know that they need to change their lives and that you are the life changer. You're the life giver and the life changer. So, Lord, let them pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I need a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus, the only Savior, who died for me and who rose again from the dead and is coming back someday. Lord, just fill me with your Holy Spirit to guide me and direct me and to Correct me sometimes that I can do what you need me to do. In Jesus' name, amen.